Welcome to This Grit and Grace Life. You've got questions, we've got answers. From the boardroom to the bedroom, car lines to college, single, married, or single again, we're bringing real answers to help you live and love your grit and grace life. Welcome to This Grit and Grace Life. I'm Darlene Brock. What's up, friends? I'm the other host here. I am the Julie Bender. <laughs> yes, you are. I felt like I was ready, or you thought I was ready, and then maybe I wasn't. I don't know. This is what you get sometimes. Yeah, we're going to talk a little bit today about how to have conversations between races and understanding a little bit of all that. But, you know, in general, meeting new people in any way is kind of an adventure, and how do you handle the conversations there? So I thought we'd start a little bit with uh, just the subject of meeting people. Hmm. Apparently, the average American will meet approximately 10,000 people in their lifetime. That doesn't seem like enough in your lifetime. Do you think? I don't know. I don't know. It seemed like a lot to me, so we're just going to go with it. It must be true that Google said it. (laughs) Stress is found to be reduced with the more connections that you have. The Mayo Clinic (laughs) has found that it increases your sense of belonging and purpose, which boosts happiness. Also, according to the Mayo Clinic, there is a decreased risk of high blood pressure and unhealthy BMI among those with a broad base of friends. Okay. I thought we stopped using BMI. <laughs> Mayo Clinic. Mayo Clinic didn't, and apparently you don't eat a lot of food with your friends. I don't know. Okay, so weird encounters. Let, me, let us give you this one. Singer Adele was so starstruck when she met Friends actress Jennifer Aniston in a bathroom, she accidentally called her Rachel. That's amazing. But I wonder, was Adele like the Adele at the time? Or was she Oh, she was in the, the Adele at the time. Yeah. Okay. When actor Adam Scott was a kid, he sent Mark Hamill a letter inviting him to his birthday party. Well, Hamill, unfortunately, didn't get to attend, but he did decide to make up for it by surprising Scott on Jimmy Kimmel Live years later. He appeared on stage, lightsaber in tow, and he was caught on video visibly shaking from the encounter. Well, yeah, your childhood hero comes there with, of all things, a lightsaber. With a lightsaber. Maybe he was just excited about the lightsaber. (laughs) Yeah, ready for a duel. All right, to remember the name of a person you just met, you need to focus on it for around two seconds. It doesn't seem long enough. It doesn't seem long enough. It's fine, keep going. Yeah, make a habit of repeating their name right after they introduce themselves. I did know that you were supposed to do that, and whenever I catch somebody doing that, I find myself being like, oh, you're trying to remember my name. <laughs> yeah. So isn't that like the proper thing to do? Yeah, I mean, but it's, it's nice. My daddy used to spell their name. Not just say oh, it. He was like out spell loud it. to them. Oh, out loud, yes. But it would be ridiculous. It'd be like, "Hi, you're Bob Smith, B O B S M I T H." Oh, the whole name. Yes, that's amazing. Yes, that's gonna be interesting. When I start telling people my baby's name, they're gonna have no idea. Like you had no idea how to spell it. <laughs> exactly. Okay, and lastly, according to Pew Research, when it comes to dating, ooh, here we go. Fifty-four percent of Americans say relationships that begin on a dating site or app are just as successful as those that begun in person. Okay. Says the woman who married her husband from Match.com. So meeting new people can be a great experience, a terrifying experience, or, you know, just an odd encounter. Like, uh, 
meeting Mark Hamill on stage. And yet I think it's especially important in today's culture when we have so much division and so much confusion, especially between races and how we should have the conversations, if we should have the conversations, and what kind of understanding we can come to when we meet new people. I mean, especially in the culture we're living in today, that seems to be dividing us in every possible category, whether it's gender, class, especially race, faith or no faith. But we as women of faith are disheartened by that division because we believe that we are all equal in every way. We're all human created by a loving God. We know their emotions and experiences we need to understand to bridge any divide. So we're bringing a writer who's written for the Grit and Grace Project who has experienced this on a very personal level. Tori Sorge is a wife, mom, executive assistant, speaker, writer, and soon-to-be author of her first book. With her son in college and her middle school daughter at home, Tori and her husband are semi-empty nesters. Relationships are her favorite. She loves connecting with others and learning their stories. Tori is a huge Disney fan. When she's not working or planning her next trip to the parks, she enjoys good food with friends, cheering on her Vegas Golden Knights, catching up on a true crime podcast, or reading one of the six or seven books she's started. Tori, welcome to this Grit and Grace Life podcast. It's really good to have you today. I am so excited to be here. I love being a part of the Grit and Grace family. So getting to sit down and talk with you both today is an extra special treat. Yes, and I want to know everything you know about Disney, but that is not what we are here to talk about. So <laughs> practice self-control. We, we can do another, another, uh, another time. podcast that's all the tips and tricks. I mean, I'm not saying that's not going to happen. Okay. okay. But we do want to pick your brain about relationships because we know that especially in today's day and age, we're, we're doing everything in our power, or certainly we should be, right? Trying to bridge exactly. the cultural and racial <laughs> divide that seems to be really prevalent. Absolutely. Um, I mean, it's, it, I think it, it's always been there. Mm -hmm. I think that there's a couple of things that have shifted. And I think one of those is that people are just more open in discussing it mm -hmm. and talking about hard things and hard topics in general. Um, and second of all, I think just coming to terms with the fact that we have been colorblind for a very long time, uh, and shifting away from that narrative and starting to really see people for who they are has really opened up the conversation. Now, Tori, um, let's do a little bit of information to our listeners on why this is a, a subject that's important to you and that you have personal experience of living in some of these questions. Absolutely. So I um, am mixed race. Uh, so, so that in itself, um, there's different terms. And one of them is biracial. That's if you have more like one or two, I'm uh, sorry, not one or two, just two different races that make up your ethnicity. Mixed race kind of encompasses people that have multiple ethnic backgrounds that make up mm -hmm. who they are. Um, so you can hear those sometimes interchangeably. And I am fine with both. I, I identify either way. Uh, but my mom is white and my dad was Puerto Rican. He passed away um, in 2017, but that's my cultural background. So 
I grew up in a small town in Ohio and it was just my mom and I, my dad left before I was born. So for the first 18 years of my life, I had no course of reference to why I really looked the way I did. So I have dark, coarse, curly hair, and I have, you know, medium toned skin. Um, and for most of my life, I, if you looked at it, you would just probably say, wow, she's really tan. Hmm. It's not tan. That's mm-hmm. just how God made me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, I definitely get darker in the summer. And so growing up that I loved being outside as a kid. And that was, it, it ended up um, working to my detriment because it just caused lots of questions about why I looked the way I did and what was I and where's your dad and just all of these things. So I learned to do whatever I could to put myself into a box that fit in as best as I could. So um, I jumped through a ton of hoops through most of my uh, adolescence and adult life to make myself assimilate into white culture. My mom was is white. That the majority of the people that I interacted with. So anything I could do to become white and be accepted and be taken seriously, then that's what I became willing to do. So that's why this is so close to my heart because it took me a long time to begin to see myself through a different lens. You know, Tori, I, I personally find this an interesting conversation because I have a grandson that's biracial. You know, he has mm-hmm. a white mother and a black father. He's now seven years old. And he looked at me the other day and said, what am I? Am I black or am I white? And my instant reaction was, you are a treasure. That's who you are. You are amazing. Mm -hmm. You are beautiful. You are everything God made you to be. But in today's culture, he felt the need to choose to find a lane that he lived in, which obviously Mm -hmm. you did the same thing. So in that, my heart bleeds for him trying to figure that out. But, you know, from my perspective, I want to understand how to help him through this process. And I love that you have that lens of like, how can I help? Like, what is, what are the words that I need? Because I mean, I think that more often than not, that's really where people are, but they don't have the tools or the language to know how to meet that need. Mm -hmm. And so even in that moment, everything you said is exactly true. He is treasured. He is beautiful. He is you know, made in the image of God. But when you're that person, um, especially if you have grown up in the church, you know that. Hmm. But but what does that mean for me? Like, no, I mean, like, who am I? What am I? Because honestly, society tells you you have to be one or the other. A lot of times families will tell you, family members will kind of force you to choose. Um, and you never feel enough for either side. You never feel white enough to be on the white side. You never feel ethnic enough to be in the ethnic side. Um, oh, well, I might look more of one side, 
but especially if there's um, language barriers. So like mm. for, for my dad being Puerto Rican, I don't speak Spanish. So, oh, well you look at that, mm, you don't speak the language, mm. you know? So then, then, oh, well, so I, I don't look white, so I can't be white and I don't fit all of the criteria it's going to take for me to be Puerto Rican. So what am I? Yeah. And I think what I would have loved to have heard when I was a kid was you are a beautiful combination of both. You don't have to choose a side. Right. You are a beautiful combination of your mom and your dad. You have all of the um, ethnic qualities and the experiences of both of them. And it, it ends up, you, you get this beautiful combination that a lot of people don't get to experience. Right. And it comes with both challenges and beauty. But I know as a, as a Christian kid growing up in the church and at a Christian school, Honestly, the last thing I wanted to hear was that I was made in God's image, that I was fearfully and wonderfully made, that I was beautiful. Um, I, I knew that. I knew that I knew that I knew that. I could quote it back to you. I can tell you all about Psalms. That didn't mean I knew who I was. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, it makes sense as much as it can make sense to me, someone who didn't <laughs> right. live that experience. And I think that's kind of right. even what we want to talk about in this conversation is how do we interact with people in a way so that that really doesn't even become the conversation or or does it need to be the conversation because that would make you feel more valued and seen? I think that's where our culture is kind of getting confused as of late. We, some people want to lead with it and others want to hide it. And so I find myself not knowing when I'm supposed to talk about it and when I'm supposed to ignore it. And I guess in this day and age of trying to understand each other better, and especially here at Grit and Grace, wanting to encourage a culture of unity instead of division, mm -hmm. what would be more inviting? Honestly, that's kind of a hard question. I think it's a case-by-case -case basis. Um, I think that you really have to, I, I think first of all, you need to search out your own motives. Like, why is it I am curious? Why is it am I asking? Am I asking, am I, am I posing these questions to someone because I am genuinely curious? Or am I just like, okay, I, I don't understand any of this. I want to learn. And, and so I think first you need to weigh out your motives. Second, there are people who are going to be ready to have those conversations. And there are going to be people that you encounter who are not ready to have those conversations on both sides of the coin mm -hmm. and being respectful and sensitive to that because until probably three years ago, I was not ready to have any of these conversations. Mm. I would not have, I, I wouldn't have even known how to sit down and have this conversation with you because I hadn't had it with myself. I didn't want to deal with any of that. Mm. I didn't even want to see myself in that lens. So there has to be a sensitivity to that other person. Um, but I really feel like the most important way to lead out the conversation is to simply 
begin a relationship with someone like my my skin tone and my hair may prompt some curiosity from someone else but i wouldn't advise that you lead with that yeah i i would i wouldn't advise for someone who's who's new to come up to me and say so what are you <laughs> like oh that's the worst question honestly yeah because well i'm a human being just like you like we know what you're asking we do we, we <laughs> but sometimes we'll just play with it for a minute because like what do you think i am like what you're really asking is what's your ethnic ethnicity what's your cultural background why do you look the way you do and would you like it if somebody came up to you and was like hey my name is so and so what's your cultural background why do you look the way you do why is your hair like that what you know that that no one wants to be introduced that way but when you build a relationship with someone you take them out to coffee you you learn who they are like it's much better to start a conversation with hey so tell me about darlene i want to know who you are tell me all about you like how'd you where did you grow up did you grow up here did you grow up like in the city in the country now you're asking other questions but it doesn't relate to their family it doesn't relate to the way they look along the way some of those curiosities and questions that you have will be answered right and as your relationship builds with that person a level of trust also is established where then you can ask those questions that maybe you have because like we have a little bit of an established relationship because i started you know writing for you and then you came and you asked these questions but we had a bit of a of a relationship it wasn't just so what are you you know tori for me there's there's a part of me that actually rebels against this entire conversation because i say mm -hmm. we should always be looking to the heart of whomever we're looking at we should always be looking to who they are not what their skin tone what looks they? like not what their hair type looks like we need to look and meet and get to know that person and that's not where we are now we are in a a categorical humanity you're in this mm -hmm. camp, you're in this camp, you're in, you know, whether it's a political camp, a racial camp, right. another camp, you know, and I mm -hmm. just, I want to break, truthfully, I want to break it down. I want to defy that. And I want to look at each person and their physical traits and say, you are beautiful exactly like you are in the heritage and culture you come from and with the richness of the generations before you. And I want to celebrate that with you. Mm -hmm. I don't want to have an opinion about it. I don't want to have an attitude about it. I simply want to say, you are amazing exactly the way you are. And I don't know how to get there. Yeah. I don't know how to pull these walls down and say, number one, we have to be the best of who we are individually as people and then look for the best of who others are and build those relationships and quit tearing apart it drives me crazy i'm telling you the truth it just drives me crazy and i don't know how to get there well i think the way you just said it was beautiful i mean because you you not only did you say like that you're you're beautiful just the way you are but you're beautiful 
in the culture that you bring. Like you're not dismissing or ignoring the fact that that they bring a richness and a uniqueness and a difference and a cultural aspect to things that maybe you don't you you don't have any um, relationship to, but possibly you'd like to learn about it. Like, tell me what makes you you. And that's beautiful. Like, I think what what people of color really are tired of is being invisible. It's not, yes, we want you to know who we are, but don't ignore the fact that we do look different. And that because of that, our experiences are different. And to ignore the fact that that that's our reality is honestly to ignore us. And that might be kind of hard to hear, Mm -hmm. but that's honestly how it feels. And so when you embrace the fact that that you're acknowledging that you're beautiful and you're wonderful and you you bring a richness to my life, but it's not like it's not just because of you, but it's all the things that make you up. And so I, I, I think it's, you can't dismiss the ethnic and racial part of things. And I think that's what we have chosen to do for a long time. Like, yes, you're beautiful. You're wonderful. We love you. As long as you kind of fit in this mold and we really don't want to talk about these other pieces of you. And when you start to talk about them, it makes us feel uncomfortable because then that's another box that we get put in and we have to censor really who we are in different spaces. And so we never really get the full freedom to be that beautiful, wonderful person that God created us to be fully at all times, because in different pockets, we end up censoring ourselves to make others feel comfortable. Okay, I want to jump in here and ask a question that we might have to cut. (laughs) I don't know. So, Tori, I don't know you. And so what I've heard from the beginning of our conversation is that these conversations are best had in the context of relationships. So hear my heart in saying, I don't want to ask anything that would feel obtrusive or inappropriate coming from someone that you don't actually know. And I, But what I think I'm hearing and learning is that maybe 10 years ago, you could have kind of Dar's original attitude of there's no reason to say anything about it because I recognize that you're beautifully made by God, even if you do look different from me. But because of changes that have happened culturally, that's no longer an okay position to take because it does feel dismissive when there have been decades of being dismissed under that previous thinking. However, I can't just go up to whoever I don't know and try to bridge a conversation about these things because that will also feel disingenuine. Am I close? I think that's probably a fair assessment. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And I also just want to preface, like, I am a open book. I am willing to talk about any topic, any subject. You can ask me anything. You won't offend me. And because I think that we have to have safe spaces to have these conversations. Otherwise, we never learn. But you're right. There's such a tension and not everyone feels like I do. Like, right. Right. I'm I'm completely open to having the conversation. Not everyone is. And like you said, three years ago, you weren't. And I think that's something we have to keep in mind. Absolutely. 
And that's why I talked about, you know, being sensitive to where a person is because yeah, three years ago, if you asked me what I was, my response was I'm a white girl trapped in a Puerto Rican body. Mm. That was my joke that I made to people Mm. because that's how I saw myself that God had really created me as this white girl and that's who I wanted to be. But he got it wrong when he put me in the shell. So I'm trapped in here. And that's how I felt. So that's what I said. Um, so yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't at all ready to have that conversation like I am now. I didn't accept who I was before I could have that conversation with you. I had to accept it. And I really did not want to have to do that because it had created a really painful space for most of my life. Okay. Being the warrior kind of personality that I am, I want to fight back. I want to fight back against this divisive attitude. And I even, you know, and I know, I think you and I messaged back and forth to each other after you wrote your original article for Grit and Grace. And I said to you that I quit years and years ago, I quit marking a race box on any form that was required of me. I quit. I just am like, I am not going to be a member of a divided humanity. So it, where they say other, I write human. I am of the human race because I want us to quit pigeonholing one another and yet celebrate one another. And, you know, I look at people in your situation or with your cultural background and mm-hmm. even my grandson's cultural background and many, many more. And I'm like, you're forced to check a box. You're forced to yep. choose which what am I? Okay. So how, how do you handle that, Tori? What do you do when you're faced with that? So honestly, I don't think I've ever filled out a form the same way twice. Interesting. Um, Rebel. Because I can't, <laughs> I can't remember what I put the last time. It also, over the years, it has, the way I fill out the form is how I'm feeling about myself in that moment. At that point in my life, was I feeling like I could embrace who I was, and so then I tried to check as many boxes as you to let as I was allowed to, mm. or was I like, you know, I'm that white girl trapped, so I'm I'm putting white because I don't want anyone to know that I'm anything else. Mm-hmm. I remember, I, so I'm in my 40s, and when I was getting ready to go to college, uh, affirmative action was really prevalent in the 1990s. And I remember filling out my college application forms and having those boxes to check. And by the way, it usually also says choose one. Mm. So which one exactly am I supposed to choose? Mm -hmm. Um, If you're doing it on an online form, a lot of times it's a drop down menu. Mm. So now I only definitely get to choose one. And they're usually a required field. So I don't get to have the option of not filling it out at all but I also don't fit in any of the categories that you offered me. Hmm. Um, and so I'm kind of reminded that even if I want to embrace who God created me to be in, in <laughs> the way that he created me, society is still telling me I got to choose. Um, but back to when I was in college or getting ready to go to college, I was adamant that I was not going to fill out anything other than white because I had worked so hard 
in high school to get the grades that I got so that I could, I like, I wanted to get there on my own merit and my own achievement. I wanted to be considered for the scholarships because of my academics, not because I filled your quota. Right. And um, I think that I, I didn't understand the ideas behind things like reparations and, and things like that, which is a whole nother topic. Mm-hmm. But um, I didn't understand that the levels of what that was maybe offering me. And because I didn't want to be offered anything, I wanted to prove that I deserved it. Because I constantly felt like I had to prove my worth and my existence because it never felt as though I was good enough. And that was definitely not instilled in me at home. My mom did her very best to let me know how loved and how worthy and how God saw me and all the things. And it went in one ear and right out the other. Mm -hmm. There wasn't a compliment nice enough or big enough or true enough that could penetrate the wall that had started to build on who I saw who I was. You know, we started this with just meeting people. And I think what you said was get to know someone first. But at the same time, I have, you know, and again, I jump in before I probably should, but I have walked up to some of the most beautiful, young, rich, chocolate, black women and said, you are the most, yours is the most beautiful skin tone I have ever seen. Because it is, okay? It is. It absolutely is lovely. And Tori, what what I have found amazing is they delight. I mean it. I'm not just saying it. Mm -hmm. But they delight in the fact that I recognize something beautiful about them that maybe there's, you know, kind of mixed messages in today's world. And I think there's some of that that we need to offer one another is recognizing, really, truly recognizing that loveliness in all of what God created in the skin tone, the hair type, the eye color, the height, all of it, and just go, Absolutely. that is lovely. And not be afraid of it. Don't run from it, but embrace no. it. No, I, I couldn't agree more. Like, And I think that that's what we've done for so long is ignore it or run from it. And um, I love that you say that because embracing it, whether it's in yourself or whether it's in a coworker or a family member or a friend, or even like you said, even a stranger, like, do you know that, that that woman that you went up to has probably, I would say, rarely, if ever, heard that, especially from a white woman. Oh, that just makes me sad. And, that just makes me oh, sad. And and I think it's funny because my mom has a really hard time um, grasping a lot of the things that I say. <laughs> <laughs> because, um, and you remind me a lot of her in the way that she sees people. Like she just, she loves people. She loves people. And 
she sees you for who you are and she thinks that you are beautiful just the way God made you. And that's what she tried for darndest to instill in me. Again, I'm stubborn and hard-headed. Mm-hmm. When, when you say like, that's how you see that woman and, and it was nothing for you. Like you want to go up and embrace that and, and celebrate her. There's not a whole lot of you. And for you, that's the only way you see people. So it's hard for you to see that other people, why would you not embrace that? Why would you want to be divisive? Why would you not celebrate the way that God has made someone else? Because you celebrate that. But I hate to tell you, right now you are still in the minority. Well, we need to change that. We absolutely need to change that. Amen, sister. Mm -hmm. That's why we're doing podcasts like this. Mm -hmm. So we can start to change the narrative. And I think maybe sometimes it's not, I I don't think that that's what's in another person's heart. Like we can't know what's in someone else's heart. But I think that what what even has been discussed in here so far about not having the right words, not knowing what to say, not knowing when to say it, not knowing if you should say it holds us captive to not saying it at all. Mm-hmm. I think it's in those moments, the enemy is like, well, if I couldn't divide them, at least I silenced them. Mm-hmm. And God wants so desperately for there to be more people on both sides. I'm not, like, this is not just dear white woman, you know, mm-hmm. this is on both sides of the aisle, no matter what your ethnic and cultural background is, we got to learn to talk to each other. We got to learn to listen to each other, maybe more than talk. We have to learn to look past what we were taught about someone or a group of people and begin to see people it's hard to hate up close you know and proximity breeds empathy Hmm. I think that's really wise I think this conversation for me the big takeaway is that it's going to be a collection of conversations but to say something is better than to say nothing and and it's all about I think it's 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 the same in every area of lives we have to build relationships with people in all kinds of areas and this is just sure. one that maybe for too long has been ignored and now deserves to have more attention, but not in a expecting every person to react the same way or to be on the same level of readiness to discuss it. So I think, if anything, it's beginning the conversation about beginning conversations. And sometimes we want things faster than that, and we have to be okay with fo- like following it's a, slow a, process. a process. Exactly. Trusting that there's a it's process. It's a slow process. It really is. And embracing the fact that it's a slow process and being okay with that. And I think that being okay with, it's going to be uncomfortable at times. You're going to feel uncomfortable in the conversation. You might even feel a bit um, angry in the conversation or like you want to push back and, you know, kind of, I love how Latasha Morrison in her book, uh, Be the Bridge, writes and she talks about taking a holy pause and in in the chapter she's talking about a really uncomfortable experience that she had at a basketball game with um some people who are sitting by her and everything inside of her wanted to like react to what they were saying 
and the conversation that was being had. Um, and instead, like God just whole it taking a holy pause mm. and going, okay, God, give me the right words in this moment or give me the wherewithal to just be quiet. Because sometimes you just have to listen and you're not going to change everybody's heart. Like you can have the conversation all day long and realizing that there are people who are never going to get it. And that's okay. Because it is what, like, you're just not going to change everybody's heart. You can share your experience, but that, that doesn't change their mind. It plants a seed. That is very true, Tori. But today, what I want to challenge our listeners to is take your first step toward trying to understand a whole culture that's different than yours or many cultures that are different than yours and look to the heart of the person and embrace where they came from, the generations before them, and the richness Mm -hmm. of their character. And if we can do that one by one, then I think we could become an army of women of faith who turn this tide from divisiveness to unity, from not looking at each other beautifully as we should, you know, looking at each other in a divisive manner and change that. I, I, I just want to walk away from this podcast, encouraging the listeners to think about it. Think about it when you talk, think about it when you look at someone else and start making the change to become that person that creates unity, that creates bridges, that creates the, yes. the ability to live in this world equally, beautifully, and together. And if we can do just a few of us, mm-hmm. that's a great start. That's a great start. It'll have a ripple effect. It really will. Well, Tori, thank you so much for being willing to come and have this conversation. And like like we said, it's the beginning of hopefully many that each of us will have in our own personal lives, armed with a at least a little better understanding of how to go about that. So thank you so much for doing that with us today. Thank you for having me. I've really enjoyed it. And thank you for um, just giving space for this conversation, because sometimes that doesn't always happen. And so I just thank both of you for your time and for your willingness to give space and voice to this conversation. It's been an honor, Tori. I think there's a Bible verse that is really relevant to this conversation, and it is in Ephesians uh, 4th chapter, 29th verse. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building up others according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. Well, that's such a good verse. Let's put that in the show notes so that we can actually look at it and unpack it because there's a lot there. Speaking of the show notes, I do want to encourage you to head there because we're going to link some of Tori's articles and related episodes you might want to check out. Thanks for taking your time with us today. We hope that you're going to be processing how you'll handle conversations moving forward in your own grit and grace life. Friends, be sure you're with us next Tuesday. We'll be joined by Elizabeth Bristol, and we'll be talking about how you can heal even from incredibly hard traumatic things in your past. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of This Grit and Grace Life. Make sure you've subscribed and rated and reviewed the show so more friends can find us. You can also share about this episode on your social media or send it to a friend you think it could help. You can find everything we talked about in this episode on our website, gritandgracelife.com, where you'll also find plenty of other articles from other women answering questions you may have.